This is the prisoner episode of the podcast, Weekly Neurosis. No. But welcome in. This is the prisoner episode. Pretty jacked about this one. Yeah. I had a good time listening to the album. Good time seeing the movie. Hmm. And yeah. So uh, a quick overview of our episode this week. Our movie of the week was Suicide Squad. The new, what was meant to be a blockbuster, is is doing pretty well. We'll get to that in By the yeah. Numbers. Um, but brand new release, all-star cast. Again, we'll, we'll get there. And our album is from the band Ghoul. Uh, the title is Dungeon Bastards, metal mm-hmm. album. So clearly the fitting, fitting into the theme there. Yep. With both of them, because in the Suicide Squad, most of the characters are in prison. Yep, so they're kind of kind of ghouls, and they're and they're also prisoners. Kind of hooligans, supposed to be hooligans, I think. That's kind of the point. They're a bunch of troublemakers. Troublemakers. And our beer of the week this week is from Evil Twin Brewing Company called Molotov Cocktail. Okay. It kind of fits with the the movie, and I think, you know, when you think of a Molotov cocktail, it's kind of like crazy. Something you can just chuck full of. Something you can use to break people out of prison. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe if prisoners riot and they somehow have liquor. Well, if the prison, if the prison was made out of wood, and you had a Molotov cocktail, you could burn the prison and down. Everybody inside the prison dies. They could burn they, a wall down because they burned to death. <laughs> You'd burn to death. But no, uh, Molotov cocktail again is from um, Evil Twin Brewing Company in Col- they're based in Colorado. Um, and the description is: Did you like, or did you like before, during, and after Christmas? Maybe you thought it poured brilliantly. The alcohol was admirable, well hidden, and you loved how the arrogant amounts of hops numbered your mouth. This beer will knock your tongue off. It's a tour de France of hoppiness. Tour de by f- France, and by far one of the craziest beers ever made by Evil Twin Brewing company the abv on this is a record for the show as this is an imperial ipa so they tend to come in very high mm-hmm. it's a record for the show though and a heavyweight it's 13 percent alcohol by volume right and i'm guessing based on that description where it says did you like before during and after christmas that must have been another one of their beers yeah yeah because they have really um evil Tim brewing company has really strange names for their beers okay. like they have a beer called uh bikini beer which is like a super light, it's like 60 calories a, a beer. And or just or something, it's like a 60 or 120. But it, they have, and they're, all their beers are named, they have a yin and yang. Uh, it's a two-pack you buy and you mix together. Oh, okay. So really crazy stuff. So 13% ABV, Imperial IPA. I'm expecting this to be like insanely hoppy. Balls to the walls hoppy. Well, I'm going to take a sip here while you pour. While I pour. Yeah. 
provide commentary to my facial reactions. So Ethan's drinking a beer. Wow. I have no idea why, week after week, I don't just pour it on the goddamn table. There's no sound. It's so hoppy. Doesn't but it's make like, any sound. But it's like, it's like aggressively hoppy, but also mm-hmm. aggressively, like malty too. Have you you've had this before, right? Yeah, and I get a, a tiny little kick of liquor at the end. I get too. it almost at the beginning with how like how sweet it is, but it is the. It, I've had way more hoppier beers than this, obviously, because this, though, is probably really, really heavily hopped, but they balance it out, kind of the malts, too. I'm trying to find. I'm on Beer Advocate. Um, I'm not seeing it a, an IBU written anywhere. And I feel like this is a kind of beer that might vary, because they probably don't distribute or make huge batches. Wait, it says they're out of New York, not Colorado. Didn't you say Colorado? That's what it says on this. Oh, really? Then Beer Advocate says New York. What the heck? Weird. What does it say in the bottle? That probably makes more sense, huh? Evil Twin Brewing, New York. Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. What the heck? And brewed by Evil Twin Brewing, Stratford, Connecticut. So, not... On their Evil Twin Brewing thing, it says... Brewed Two Roads, Colorado. Weird. Interesting. Interesting. So... New maybe York, ske- New York of origin. Sketch operation. Maybe they're like a front. Could be. This could be a. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not something we should say. <laughs> drug front. I'm just making that up. It's just a joke, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's good. It's definitely a super imperial IPA. I, I think it's um, as any imperial IPA would be. It's it's got a sip. You take a sip on it, and it's got a taste that lasts a long time. Yeah, and it, I, you know the double and the triple IPAs kind of have their own feel. Imperials are always a little bit, at least I found to be a little bit more of a sophisticated taste. It's usually a little more complicated. It's something's hidden, that kind of deal. Right, because instead of necessarily just doubling up on the hops, which I'm sure they're doing, they're doubling up on all the ingredients too. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure when they're doing a triple IPA, they have those malts. And everything in there, but they're really focusing on just the hops. And and on this, there's way more than just the hops going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And yeah, you don't get, you wouldn't get, with 13%, you'd expect a pretty good liquor taste. You don't get that at all. This is pretty, I have to say, this is a dangerous beer. So the yeah. name's very fitting. It's it's sweet at first, so that's like the main indication to me that it's high in alcohol. But it does maybe have a little bit of a burn, but not much because it's so hoppy that that bitterness on your tongue is stronger than any liquor taste i get yeah boy this would be great for like like if you're tailgating getting oh, ready to geez. go to a sporting event you have like two of these things how much was the four it's a four pack how much was four it? packs are like right around 14 so bit pricey steep, steep, yeah, steep. steep so wherever if you're not listening to this podcast in appleton wisconsin you're probably gonna pay more than that yeah i would assume probably 15 16 i don't even want to know what it is in new york beers are really expensive out there yeah hmm. that's pretty it's pricey but again fit the theme a little bit well and i like to pretend too in my brain that it fits our theme because in suicide squad there's a character who is like power is fire mm-hmm. so hey he plays a, an important role possibly in the plot might yeah. be an important character. Maybe He's not. in the movie. He's in the movie. That's for sure. That's for sure. El Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to our definition of the word prisoner. 
So obviously not going to be too lighthearted of a definition. Um, it's a person legally held in prison as a punishment for crimes they have committed or awaiting tr- while awaiting trial. That's very true. Um, it can also mean a person captured or kept in uh, kept confined by an army, opponent, or criminal. And it can also mean a person who is or feels confined or trapped by a situation or set of circumstances. It's a pretty wide-spanning definition. Yeah. So what does prisoner mean to you, Ethan? Well, I think this is a fun word because it's sort of, you know, it's 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 more or less a noun, correct? So right. f- we're talking about, in this case of a prisoner, pretty much a person. Maybe some people would say animals in certain situations, whatever. But when I think of prisoner, I think of somebody who, like the definition suggests, is somebody who's trapped in some way, shape, or form, whether it be by an established law because they broke the law and they were caught or somebody who was caught doing something, but generally somebody who's being punished for doing something that at some level is considered wrong. Right. But uh, I also think that there's maybe a little bit more, I like that the definition covered this too, that a little bit more of sort of a metaphysical thing too where you can be a prisoner to yourself, right? A prisoner to your own thoughts and your desires and maybe addictions or or, or whatever somebody is in. You can be trapped in a situation that's not necessarily a physical prison, but you can be a, you can be a prisoner of circumstance where you're in a situation that you're trapped in and you either can't get out because of you, a shortcoming you have or a concern you have over how somebody would react or something. But the concept of a prisoner is one of the darker things I think uh, human beings have uh, have uh, conjured up, and I think that it's perhaps a necessary evil to some extent. But yeah. uh, it definitely can be be one of those things where you think about people who have been wrongfully imprisoned or who who are imprisoned themselves because of their own morals and beliefs or or something or how somebody else treats them. Yeah. So I think it's a cool word. Yeah, it is. And I th- what I, I like about it is it's kind of like. I mean, we have words that are can have multiple meanings. You know, they can mean one thing to one person, one thing to someone else. But this one is kind of like a 360-degree meaning because, like you said, it, you can think of the literal prisoner who's broken the law and is in jail and prison or wherever they are being held. But then, yeah, there's I, my mind instantly, when I, I looked up the definition to this word, which I usually do um, prior to the show, is I thought of room. The movie Room, obviously, that's sure. about a, a pris- That's another type of prisoner. And then, like you said, people that set their own limitations and don't, you know, don't achieve things because their like mind is against them. They're very much a prisoner of their own mind. And mm-hmm. I honestly think of pets a lot too, because pets, I think, are kind yeah. of like Friends when you really, lives. yeah, when you really think about it. Like our, my dog Miko, for example. Like, we stole him from his pack when he was, like, eight weeks old and conditioned him to love us, basically. And that's it's a messed up. When you really think about having a pet, it's kind of messed up. Slaves. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool you brought up the movie Room, too, because that movie does a, a good job of showing literally being a prison of a sort in a physical space, but also being a prisoner of how what happens to you in life makes you think differently and perceive things differently and how that can trap you into acting certain ways and feeling limited or disappointed in yourself. Yeah. That's a good example of that. Yeah, and actually uh, right about when that, um, that, because that movie, I think it was around the Oscar time. It was a big Oscar movie. Brie Larson won the uh, Best Actress Oscar. And did it win one? I don't think it won one as a film, though. Mm -mm. But um, It was in for everything. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about it. I remember some FBI person got interviewed, and it kind of got hushed. It's hard to find. 
but they actually got interviewed and said, they said like, well, how many circumstances are there like this in the United States? And the guy was like, I don't know, at least tens of thousands. And it's like, holy shit. Didn't the movie take place in Canada though? Yeah. Well, technically, but in in the the United United States. Bash in the USA. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, man. No, I get what you mean. But no, no, it's like. I believe it. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing to think about. That's a type of prisoner. Yeah. That. If you haven't seen the movie Room, by the way, check, check it out. It, yeah, you got to give it a shot. I didn't love it like a lot of other people really loved it, but I thought it was, I mean, it's a great movie for sure. Not, um, if it's a nice day outside, probably don't watch it because it's kind of, no. it's a little bit down. I think if, you, if you're the type of person who enjoys sad music when you're feeling sad, I think it's a good movie to watch when you're maybe not feeling at the top because yeah. sometimes if you're having a bad day watching a movie like Room, you'll be, you'll be like, oh, my life isn't so yeah. bad. <laughs> I'm not, Things aren't so bad for I'm me. I'm not held captive. And it's not like so a violent or, or, or gross movie or anything, but it's just dark. It's a scary concept. Mm-hmm. And it's very real. And it's beautiful in some ways, too, though. So, yeah. Good movie to see. But on to our, uh, our high-priority news items. And it's actually it kind of sur- surrounds our, our movie of the week, Suicide Squad. But another uh, critic controversy... Um, and there's been a, a lot of stuff. Well, first off, there's an angry fan, though, who's uh, apparently interested in or currently trying to sue Warner Brothers for false advertising about the joke, Joker's role in the film. Right. Apparently he feel, he or she, I actually don't know if it's a he or she, but um, th- this individual feels that they um, have been <laughs> lied to in some way that the trailer made it look like the Joker should have played a more prominent role in the movie, which I think might be fair mm-hmm. to to an extent after having seen the movie. But to go to this length is comical to me. It is. Oh, this is very... I just briefly kind of Googled it and, and perused it. And I mean, I, I don't understand... I don't know. I, I'm very confused by it because I don't know what he, he or she again. I don't remember the gender, but well, and they, there there was a lawsuit in like 2010 or 11. It was when the movie Drive came out mm-hmm. with Ryan Gosling, and a lady tried to sue the filmmakers of that because she thought it was going to be more action packed, and she was pissed it wasn't. So she tried to sue them, like actually tried to sue them. And it's hmm. just one of those things where, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the next thing we have related to Suicide Squad. And we talked about this kind of with Batman versus Superman, how there's this crusade against critics by people who enjoyed the film. And it's th- these are just examples of this being just elevated to a, a comical and just preposterous level yeah. of, of somebody who's clearly very entitled and probably doesn't have a very solid worldview. And takes this stuff maybe a little bit too seriously. Way too seriously. And it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer to see something like that, but it's also hilarious. It is. So. It's kind of both. But, <laughs> yeah, also fans, they've petitioned to shut down Rotten Tomatoes because they're an evil, rotten company um, due to the low score of the film. And and mm-hmm. we, we talked off air. Most people, I don't think, fully have their head around what Rotten Tomatoes is. Right, because I think the last time I looked, anyways, this petition had like 60,000... Oh, my God. Signatures or something. And I had seen a lot of comments um, on Facebook or whatever, on news articles that were covering this story where people were like, man, the, the people at Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie a low score. They screwed up. And like you just said, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding major, of, major. of what Rotten Tomato is, which is quite simply an aggregate website where it takes the different ratings of critics and puts them in one place and comes up with an average. Yeah. 
and it's it's literally the same thing as if you put a set of numbers together and then calculated the average of those right. numbers. That's the, it. It's the, just data. Right. The but the the only I guess the place of controversy with some people is that there can be a little bit of subjectivity that Rotten Tomatoes the the people who work that site have to do themselves and that when a review comes in and we talk, we did talk about this on Batman versus Superman too, but we'll talk about it again. Um, how if they get a, a review, say the, the certain critic uses a four star scale, and they gave Suicide Squad a two, which is right in the middle. Yeah, which and, means indifferent. Right. In usually. some cases, since Rotten Tomatoes is a thumbs up or down thing, because they get to that score by saying the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes is the percentage of positive reviews. So a two out of four review. They have to read the review and decide for themselves if that's a positive or negative review. Because with a real middle-of-the-road review, it could kind of go either way. For sure. So I, I think there is maybe some gray area there. But when a movie like Suicide Squad has like less than a 30%, you could split hairs like that. But I think it does point to a consensus with critics that they didn't like it. Right. And, you know, that's fine. But, it, but what we're seeing here is just like the whole suing thing is we're seeing people who are first of all taking this too seriously and people who can't just accept the fact that they liked something that somebody else didn't. Yeah. And partially, I think a little bit at fault here is like movies, a lot of movies like their Facebook page will post in their cover image 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think people have a different perception of it. They think it's like an assigned score, but it's really, it's like you said, it's really not, there's some subjectivity. Right. But... Yeah, I think that plays into it absolutely. Yeah, but uh, if you're going to sign a petition that says this, I know if I sign any petition, I'm going to research what this What's is going about. On. Yeah, but uh, to me, it's just a lot of gut reactions about a movie that's getting controversial reception from people, and yeah. uh, just like Batman vs Superman, which is you know a movie I didn't care for at first, but I actually really like it now, uh, and I watched it again before I saw Suicide Squad. But, um, man, just people just got to accept that. So not everyone's going to agree. A, a site like Rotten Tomatoes isn't meant to be this be-all, end-all, oh, is this movie good or bad type thing. There are movies that have very high scores that I don't care for at all, and there's movies that have very low scores that I do like a lot. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if if you're the type of person who only goes to the movies like two, three times a year, a Rotten Tomatoes might be an okay place to check out. Or if you're really into movies like I am, it's fun to read some reviews and get an idea of it, but that doesn't mean you read a review and that's your opinion now, too. Yeah, because for and for a while, like, and, and we've on this show we've talked about it a lot. Like, our our opinions are very subjective because it's our one lens view on a, on a movie, and mm-hmm. that's that's what critics are. They're not by any means a jury or a group of people. Kinda, that's what they should be anyway. Well, yeah, that'd be an ideal world. But so it's, you know, it's it's almost irrelevant, but it's not. It's yeah. it's a great, another one of these wonderful gray area mm-hmm. things that I don't think people can really live with. I think people like the whole, like, yes and no, black and white. Right, and I do think that me and you do a good job of making it clear that our opinions are our own. And, and if you disagree with it, that's nothing personal. Yeah, if you walked up to me on the street and you were, and I, if I gave some movie like a three, I've never done that yet. But if you came up to me and you're like, you are totally dead wrong, I'd be like, sure, yeah, right. I guess I'm wrong. Like, it, and I think with Rotten Tomatoes, there are critics out there who kind of have that that very hostile mentality, I like to refer to it as, who do write the reviews from a perspective of some sort of objective reality where their score does reflect some sort of greater truth. 
or they have some sort of knowledge. And, and I do think, unfortunately, there are critics out there who, whether they admit it or not, while they are talking about their own opinions, they don't talk about it in a way that makes it sound like that. Yeah. So they come across as being people who are, are looking down at you. And I think that can be a little frustrating if you're somebody who's maybe <laughs> new to this whole thing or insecure in some way. But, uh, man, at the end of the day, even the people who claim to know more than you, they don't. Especially when it, when it comes to movies. Yeah. If, if you saw Suicide Squad and it's your new favorite movie ever, no, awesome. No, nobody can take that away from yeah. you. Awesome. That is awesome. And this doesn't mean that I'm going to bash the movie because it sounds like I'm kind of being like, well, it's okay if you liked it because I hated it. Because <laughs> we're not reviewing the movie yet, but we are kind of covering. It's it's interesting that this year we've seen this come up yeah. so often. Yeah, and, and this was kind of primed for this in a way because it was it's such, again, it's one of these mega blockbuster movies that is a totally technically unique concept to most people unless you're a monster comic reader because this is covered in the comic world. But, you know, when that happens, I think it's just kind of now prime ground for the critics are going to bash it in some way if they can. And that's what people think. In reality, are they doing it? We don't know. We're not them. At the same time, though, you look at something like Civil War, which a movie I loved and critics happen to love as well. It has like a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes or something. And that's one of the things that's incited some of this, where a lot of these people think that somehow these critics are aligned with Marvel or they're being paid out by Marvel because those movies, for the most part, get good reviews. Not all of them, but most of them get good reviews. And why is it that the the three DC movies haven't? People in their minds feel the need to take sides, DC versus Marvel, where I just want to see good movies. You know, I, 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 I loved Man of Steel. I like Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. But uh, at the same time, I love Marvel. Why do people need to take sides? You're not, they're not yeah. paying. Like, who's getting paid here? You're not like all these people who are accusing critics of being paid. Are you, is, are you like a spokesperson for Marvel or a DC that you feel the need to say that? Is, Mar- is DC paying you to be so pissed off about it? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's just a movie, man. When it fit, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, like... Stuff and it's the social media world moves like this quick mm-hmm. and it's it's crazy for sure. But don't don't hate on Rotten Tomatoes. Leave them alone. I think they do. It's a great. It's a wonderful service. I think it's a great tool for kind of testing the waters. And there's a f- fan rating too. There's an audience score on there too, or you can go to IMDb, which is just as controversial in different ways. Yeah. But uh, I mean, these websites are not meant to be some sort of bible of movie quality these are supposed to be places where you go and kind of see oh i wanted to see this is it any good Mm, it's not getting great reviews and maybe i won't go see it because i don't know or maybe well it's getting bad reviews but i really want to see it go see it anyway yeah and even if you think that i've always said if you think the trailer looked awesome seemed like something you might be interested in check it out for sure do the the world a favor then listen to us Listen to we're us. The, we're the one and only. Because we are the subjective yeah. film critics who know better than everybody else. <laughs> Wait a no minute. One, no one knows anything compared to us. So anyhow. All right. When we come back, it's time for movie of the week. In the break will be the trailer for Suicide Squad. No Ooh. clue what the sound's going to be like. There's going to be Joker laughs. Yep. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn talking. Doing one-liners. Then Will Smith like, yo, dog. I'm going to do... You know, whatever. Shoot you in the face. Shoot you, and then... That'll be like a car tire screeching at some point, I'm sure. Explosions. Explosions, gunshots. Yeah. We'll check it out. All right. Weekly Neurosis will be right back. Gentlemen, ladies, 
What if Superman had decided to fly down, rip off the roof of the White House, grab the president right out of the Oval Office? Who would have stopped him? build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. Y'all jokers must be crazy. What? This is the deal. You disobey me, you die. Try to escape, you die. You got a boyfriend? You irritate or vex me. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. Welcome back into Weekly Neurosumnate. I'm Ethan. And we hope you enjoyed the audio from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Might have sounded like what we described. Yep. I hope. I hope. I always get to afterwards when I'm editing. I get to hear what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So our movie of the week this week is Suicide Squad from Warner Brothers. Do you see? Ethan, take it away. All right. So the plot of this here movie, which is the third movie in the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe. Uh, Here we go. A secret government agency recruits a group of imprisoned supervillains to execute dangerous black op, to execute dangerous black ops missions in exchange for clemency, which inevitably leads to chaos. All right. So this movie stars Will Smith, Ike Barinholtz, Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, Jared Leto, Jai Courtney, Jay Hernandez, Cara Delevingne, and Joel Kinnaman. Uh, this movie was written and directed by David Ayer, edited by John Gilroy, and the cinematography was done by Mr. Roman Vasanov. Vasyanov, very Russian name. Mm-hmm. Um, filming locations here. It was shot mostly in Canada, mainly in Toronto, but Toronto between April and August 2015. Further filming was also done in 2016 as well, and some aerial photography was done in Chicago, Illinois, and also some. Kind of fun tidbits on the side here is Tom Hardy was originally set to star in this film, but dropped out to do The Revenant. And also, this is the first time a live-action version of the character Harley Quinn has been portrayed, played by Margot Robbie here. So, there's actually a ton of really interesting facts about this movie. If you go to IMDb and look up the trivia section, that's what I like to do whenever I watch movies. You learn so much random crap. loaded. So, well, that's the breakdown here. You know, we talked about Batman vs. Superman earlier this year. Uh... So this is the next one. What did you think of Suicide Squad, Nate? Well, I wasn't blown away. I didn't. I don't want to say I disliked it, but overall, I thought it was it was very entertaining. Um, it's it keeps you interesting. Again, it's one of these to me. It was a totally unique concept. Afterwards, I realized it's part of the the comic book world. But um, overall, it flowed pretty well. Special effects are pretty good. Characters are awesome. I uh, really liked the acting. But how about you? Yeah, I I think I. Compared to my initial reaction of Batman vs Superman, which was lukewarm to say say at the best, uh, I had a much more positive reaction to this movie. Although I'm in the same boat that it's not my favorite movie. I think it's got some major issues, especially in editing. Yeah, um, the the movie has some serious chopping choppiness to it that is just very unnatural and strange. But uh, yeah, I think the movie was. Excuse me. It was. It's very. To me, it was it's very efficient storytelling. How it straight up jumps right into things, and it re- you really don't get a moment to breathe until they sort of are going on their mission. 
Um, I love the characters in this. I, I know there's there's definitely a focus on two or three of the Suicide Squad, which kind of helps rein in a, a little bit more of a focus, but at the same time, that also leaves some of the other characters kind of as just side characters um, that kind of just felt like they were there, although I, I like to imagine that more will be done with them in the future. Yeah. And uh, just, just overall, yeah, I, I had fun with it, although I think it, the editing was pretty terrible in this movie. And uh, some of it kind of felt awkward, but I, I had a much more positive experience with this movie than I was expecting. Yeah. And I think it was entertaining and certainly spectacular to watch. It was. I mean, it was very visually stunning and lots of exciting, you know, stuff. I don't know. I don't think I was ever on the edge of my seat, but mm-hmm. I was with you, the editing. I mean, there's so many points where it just drops off, picks up, and there's no real yeah. go between. It's just kind of there and then you're then you're gone. But... Yeah, I mean, overall, and I, I kind of I kept running into like the comparisons a little bit to Deadpool. Like, I think they were, I think they were okay. kind of big I, time. I thought they were push, really, really pushing this towards that. Like, they wanted to get that same lots of flashbacks reaction. The beginning. Yeah, and it was it kind of felt like that. Okay, but I don't I don't think you could really re. I mean, maybe you could redo Deadpool. I don't know, but. I just I don't know. It, it, to me, they they tried to push a little too hard on that, and it kind of it came back to bite them in the butt. Yeah, the way this is edited, it just it just feels so unfocused, and it yeah. feels like more than one movie kind of put together. All the stuff with the Joker and and Jared Leto plays the Joker. I'm still not in love with his version of the Joker, and not necessarily because of him, just because how he was put in this movie. Um, and we talked about uh, the fan wanting to sue because of how the Joker was used. And um, I think that's ridiculous. But um, I can kind of see how people would be frustrated because the trailer really kind of made it look like he was the villain here. And he's not. He's really, No, he's really not. I, I, I flat out I flat out hated this really? version of the Joker. Okay. I, I, don't want, I don't want to be too judgmental on it because I think they, they set up the pieces for him to be a t- totally different version than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Definitely more of sort of a kingpin drug dealer kind of a character deal, kind yeah. of who's off his rocker a little bit and obviously he's connected with Harley Quinn which the, I, I thought that was cool but it kind of felt shoehorned in and really the only thing it did in this movie was develop her character which kind of felt that well this maybe one of the maybe debatably the most fascinating character in, in comic books at least in the DC universe kind of felt like a shoe in I think a lot of that was because of the editing and I've, I've heard a lot David Ayer and Jared Leto have said that they filmed way more joker stuff and it did not make it to the final cut yeah because it's so to me it's a little bit foreign of what the joker and again they may be developing him for the future that's one thing you need to keep in mind Mm -hmm. is this you know two-hour film in reality should be an eight-hour series technically you know if if they make four films i don't know if they'll get that far but i i didn't i don't know i and i again it could have they could have taken this a totally i thought that jared leto and knowing how he acts and how he has personas that he's done in previous performances i don't know it was just very foreign it was over the top and it was over the yeah and but but i think that's kind of what the joker calls for in some ways yeah i'm i'm i don't hate him but i don't like him either i want to see more and that's what i said about batman versus superman too and that's just one element because i think the editing that's just an example of how i think this movie's sort of it just feels like it's missing stuff and another thing we had talked about previously was that there was talks that they reshot a lot of stuff to add more humor in it. And I don't know if that's necessarily true because I feel like inherently a lot of the jokes in the movie were always there. Yeah. So maybe it was just how it was edited. But there were some scenes that just like where there was a one-liner 
that I like shook my head and I was like, what? Why was there's one scene in the movie, not a spoiler, where it's after they go and they start their mission in the city. And there's like an action sequence, a sequence after the action sequence. It goes to this one of the B stories. And then it's a shot of Harley Quinn breaking. It's in the trailer. She breaks a, a shopping window and steals a purse. And she's like, we're bad guys. It's what we do. And then it cuts to something else. And I was like, what? It didn't fit. Like, why was yeah. that little scene there? Like, why wasn't that built into a different... It just felt like... And there was moments like that throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And it was just really awkward, but... uh. And I, I think the reshoots, if they were there, and I might be totally off base, were a lot of these, like, little things that they dropped that I think afterwards they were like, oh, we can we can develop that into a story. Like, because sure. there's, there's a scene where some letter... And this isn't giving anything away, but... Some letters are dropped, and, and it's like this big, huge, dramatic moment, and they cut off. And then yeah. way down farther along in the plot, they cover it again. Mm-hmm. And it's in a totally different set, different yep. lighting, different everything. Yeah. So I think that's maybe the re-edit. But I agree with you. The humor, too, is... Well, the, the, humor, the humor itself I didn't have an issue with. I actually thought this that it was refreshing that it was so funny. I loved uh, Margot Robbie as, as uh, Harley Quinn. I thought her and I thought Will Smith as Deadshot really kind of carried the movie. Yeah. And they definitely get the most attention. I think the other character who I really liked, who gets a lot of attention as well, was El Diablo, who's a character who can control fire, which was pretty neat. Um, a lot of the other characters, again, like Killer Croc, <laughs> Slipknot, Katana, some of those characters, they're there. You don't get a lot of development, and they kind of just feel like like peop- like blank slates at this point. And I didn't hate that. I kind of liked that they focused on a couple of people. And what I what I think worked in terms of focusing on just a couple of the characters in this was that I felt like the movie was super efficient. I think B and you might disagree that I like the, to me, the first third of this movie was like by far the strongest part of it. I thought, yeah. cause I thought I loved how it jumped in and they, it was doing the flashbacks and all this. And it was mixed in with uh, Amanda Waller. I think her name was the F Viola Davis character mm-hmm. breaking down her plan to the other people, why she wants to get these villains to make this group. I loved how that stuff was put together. And then, I mean, before you know it, they're all in their uniforms and they're in a helicopter going towards the city. And I just kind of had like a smile on my face because I was like, this movie kind of just cut to the chase. And I think that's kind of where I really started the movie. I know I started noticing the movie maybe lagging, but uh, um, I don't know. I I just felt like overall, even after that, because I I even feel like it dragged for a little bit. But the last fight sequence and stuff with the villain like, we probably shouldn't talk about who the villain is because it's not who you might expect. Yeah. No, no, um, no. For me, that was one positive is that the villain yeah. is totally unpredictable. And I actually really like the villain, too. I think a lot of the negative reviews and stuff I've read really hate the villain. And I kind of like – I thought it was unique. I thought it was cool. I kind of like the more – without spoiling anything, the more mythical, fantastic edge the character had. I like those ele- I, I, I like those elements in this movie. I feel like this movie was truly trying something a little bit different in that respect, but it just felt like it was just chopped together by people who had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. And yeah, I think we, we do disagree on the, on the first third. I, I mean, it's just to me, if you're developing, because not everyone has read the DC comics, like, and you haven't either, no. but you at least know the general. I know Harley Quinn. Yeah. I didn't know a single one of the other people. But you can't, I don't think you can really pull that off. And I, I just, I don't know. For me, it was like, oh my God, this is moving fast. And it was fast and things were just flying at you nonstop. Yeah, and they were doing that on purpose, though. Like, I liked whenever they introduced a new character, it would, they would kind of have their own personalized, like, cutscenes where it would say, it would freeze frame and it would say, dead shot, and all these 
stats would pop up and it was way more than the human eye could read. Yeah. And I think it was meant to be overwhelming. And they, I think for me, I, I'm excited to rewatch it again and kind of catch that stuff again and see where it goes. I really liked how it started. I was really like, okay, holy crap. It just, you know, and, but for me, and, and if you look at the first third and then the, the middle section kind of lags, it just right. didn't Where they're actually on, they start their mission and stuff. Yeah, I thought the start of the mission up until the climax was the weakest part. Yeah, oh, sure. totally. I mean, it was kind of, it, I can't, it's hard to not spoil it, but it's kind of like dull. Like, and it sounds kind of odd because, like, it's, no, it a, it's very much an action movie, but they're just kind of meandering around, kind of lost in space type stuff. Right, and I think maybe it's one of the issues is there one of the action scenes during that moment, that sort of part for me where I thought the movie dragged was... It wasn't a great action scene. There was one thing that one of the characters does at the end, the character Deadshot. He has a pretty badass moment. But the action scene is probably like five to ten minutes long. And for the most part, while it's cool to look at and they're fighting these kind of weird things, it was neat, but it was there was never any like holy shit moment in in the action sequences. I think the the action scene at the end was awesome. I yeah, really liked I that. But yeah, the action in that whole part just felt like just so muted and yeah, and you for me at least, like you can always tell like a really bad action scene when there's like a uh, at least two or three cutaways to like m- basically meaningless shit. And in that action scene, there's at least two scenes where you just see bullets falling. Yeah, and that's like my least favorite thing. I don't care about that. I don't care how many bullets you're firing. I want to see like stuff and things blowing up. I don't want to see feet and shells hitting the floor. And there's like two cutaways to that, and it's like. I think one way I can I can retcon it in my own mind to like that fight scene more is how you don't see each individual member of the Suicide Squad kind of what what do they all bring to this team as an individual. Yeah. You don't really see that until the final fight scene. And I think the way I justify the kind of tame fight scene in the middle is that it's the first time they've all fought together. So they don't kind of know what they're doing. There's one character who doesn't want to use his powers because he's afraid of what he'll do. And there's... They don't all trust each other, and by the end, they're kind of all on the same page. So I think maybe there was some development, but it just was kind of dull in that moment. Yeah, and it's, eh. But again, the end scene, though, I, I agree with you. Totally epic. Yeah, and I like the villain, up and Yeah, I, I don't get I don't understand that at all. Because to me, a villain, you know, you can either have, like, the true villain from the very start where they're, like, this evil-looking person, and that's what they are from the beginning, but this one's totally unpredictable. You do not, you cannot really, when that movie starts, there's no way after watching it for maybe five, ten minutes, you can't, you can figure out who the villain's going to be. Yeah, when they introduce who it is, you're kind of like, well, that's an interesting person. And you don't really kind of see how their plan comes together but it, until the very end. But but that's another complaint of mine was that I'm still not 100% sure what their plan was because of how the movie was edited. Yeah. I was still sort of like, well, what were these people exactly trying to accomplish? Yeah. And I just feel that was a result of the editing, which I think inevitably, just like Batman v Superman, we'll see a longer cut of this movie. Oh, for sure. And because I think in this movie is a really great movie. And I hope this isn't a trend because I want to see the great cut of the movie in the theater. I don't want to have to wait a couple months to see that cut. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the editing and again, not really giving anything away, but there's this like a government government cuts where they go to like the government guys that are on the phone yeah every single one of those edits was horrible yeah like it was it was just bad it was like the worst i feel like that was like take number eight that normally you'd be like oh let's just take that away and it just bad 
really bad. Yeah, the editing gonna... really brought it down because I like the characters, even the side ones. I I, I kind of give it a pass because I think somebody like Killer Croc, who's really only standing there going like yeah, yeah yeah, he doesn't really have much to do, but he's kind of awesome. Yeah, somebody like Boomerang, who Jai Courtney, by the way, plays him, who I've never. Okay, I don't care for him as an actor. He's usually like bland, attractive guy number two, and he has no charisma. He was kind of awesome in this movie. Yeah, oh, totally. He has an accent, and he's always drinking beer, and he's killing people with his boomerang. I kind of thought he was a badass in this movie. Yeah, oh, he totally was, and his his introduction and development as a character is kind of around that. But the movie, yeah, the movie does focus on Harley Quinn and Deadshot, though. Yeah, I mean, Which, big time. I don't know. I'm not totally in love with with Harley Quinn. Really? Her. I mean, I, I like her, but. I don't know. I she was great. But then I, again, who the who the hell else would you cast? I mean, and how would you do it? I mean, it's it's simple. I think she Margot Robbie was perfect for it. But yeah, I thought she nailed it. I think the only thing I have issue with with her character is how they tied her with the Joker. I feel like all that stuff could have been done through dialogue and keep all the actual footage of those two together through for like a prequel movie or something almost. Yeah. Because that stuff just felt shoehorned in because I thought, like, her in the moment with her one-liners and in action scenes and all that stuff was great. There's there, One of my favorite, one of the funniest parts in the movie was when they were kind of getting, when they were first getting, because they were in prison at the beginning of the movie. This is no spoiler. This is in the trailer. This Facts. is what the movie's about. So they're getting escorted out of prison to get ready to go on this mission. And they're, like, all in these chairs, and they're, like, all chained to the chair, and they're all their heads are, like, strapped down, and they can't move their arms or heads or necks or anything. And it's this really... I was laughing so hard because they're showing, like, Killer Croc, and uh, I think maybe it was... It wasn't Boomerang. It was one of... Uh, Deadshot. They were going there, and Deadshot's talking, and then you just see Harley Quinn, and you see her, like, kicking her legs a little bit. She's just like, wee. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's totally insane. I thought that was hilarious. And there's lots of movies like that, or lots of moments like that throughout this movie that I thought were great. And she was kind of in the center of, of most of them. But I, so I really liked her. I, I'm just still not convinced that how they handled her yeah. with the Joker was when, the best. And I feel like every negative that, that I had or that you've had for this film, that like editing maybe could have fixed it. Oh, big time. Like that's what I think is there's nothing that isn't, couldn't be fixed with like a three hour version of this film not even this movie's just over two hours yeah and that's that to me tells i mean with how short it is and how complex the story is it's probably they probably cut a bunch of stuff out and mm-hmm. this is what we're left with but mm-hmm. what would you rate this one to ten i am gonna give it the benefit of doubt here i'm gonna go higher than i thought i would i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten because i i had fun with it despite all the issues i think buried in this thing is a is an even better movie but I, I like the characters enough that I was along for the ride. The action was good enough. I, I was surprised by the villain. Uh, I just kind of had fun with it, and I think that there, there's a lot of potential here. And it's one. It's kind of like The Force Awakens in that I'm, it's certainly nowhere near as good as that, but I feel like it's hard for me to give the final judgment of this movie until I see more of it, which maybe is a negative because maybe movies should stand on their own. But uh, I, I enjoyed it. it. It definitely dragged for me, but uh, I, I thought it was fun. So I'm going to give it a seven. How about you? Uh, four. Jesus. Even four. I not, didn't like the film, didn't like the first third. A lot of stuff, just a lot of stuff didn't hit. But again, I'm giving it that rating most likely because of editing. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you said, God forbid this film was meant to be two hours and 45 minutes and they cut out 
45 minutes of material. It was. So uh, David Ayer straight up said he had his own cut of this movie, handed it to Warner Brothers. They cut their own version of it that was at least 20, 30 minutes shorter. And uh, the same thing happened with Batman vs. Superman. The same thing. So these people who are at Warner Brothers recutting these movies need to stop. They need to stop because I think this, and I think maybe if I was being a little bit more honest, my score would be a little bit lower. But I do feel like, A, it's going to grow on me, and B, when I see the inevitable longer cut of this movie. Director's cut. Yeah, because I just feel like there was too much good acting and and good ideas and action for me to give this too low of a score. Yeah. And I am just... Because you gave it a lower score than Ghostbuster? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just... I don't know. If something didn't click for me, maybe I had I set it on a pedestal that was a little too high, but Okay. You that's know, fair. It is what it is. We're not friends anymore though. That's it. I'm and suing the, you. <laughs> sue us. You didn't like the Joker, you I'm didn't suing like the you. Joker. Well that that's another thing is I, I you know, that character, technically speaking, could have been flipped around everything could have been flipped around with an extra thirty minutes. Yeah, man. You know? I guess that's the nature of the biz now, son. I guess I was just... Ooh, and another thing before we move on. I, I, you can't think too hard about Suicide Squad because it doesn't make any sense. Like the actual squad itself, the concept of them, it doesn't make any sense. It's totally That's not, true. Well, there's, totally a, there's a lot of nonsense in this film. But again, it's... They it's even the sort, they sort of try to address how ridiculous it is, but it doesn't make any sense. So I was just like, nope, nope, just whatever. Just action. Just Superheroes, action. who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the 300 because that was a real story love that movie dude uh, who doesn't girls yeah <laughs> <laughs> so onto our high priority news items for movies uh, Chronicles of Narnia is returning I love uh, the, I love this film series uh, so I'm, a, I'm a huge fan <laughs> Jesus <laughs> this, you don't have to be so angry about it I'm glad <laughs> no it's the fourth film and it's in this live action franchise and it's arriving after a pretty long delay five, like well the last one came out in 2010 and this one probably won't come out for two years two now. years to so 20 like eight years yeah that's crazy so that's a pretty big pretty big deal and they did well from what so, I can remember the first one did like astronomically well the second one did okay and the third one was not popular no. which is kind of why this happened. But, um, let it simmer. Let it kind of... Man, because fir- I remember seeing that first movie in theaters like four times when it came out. And I've read all these books. I read them when I was in school. Um, but I'm happy to see it come back. And, and the kind of cool thing about this is because the next book that they're adapting is The Silver Chair. With And if you've ever read the books, they have similar characters. But like all the kids who are in the first movie... I think there's really only one of them or a relation to one of them. So it's not like they have to, you have to worry about them necessarily recasting certain roles because obviously at this point those actors and actresses are much older. Um, so I think this is cool. I'm glad to see it. Yeah, totally. I don't like to see a franchise uncompleted. Yeah. Incompleted. Uncompleted? Incompleted. Like football. I think you say a, see, a, see a franchise that is incomplete. Yeah, that's good too. Let's go with that. I think that would be the problem. Back to you. (laughs) I think. Uh, The other big one is Alien Covenant. I was jacked when I heard about this. Uh, The sequel to Prometheus, which I loved. You loved as well. Love it. Um, The next entry in the Alien franchise is just around the corner. Uh, The principle of photography has officially wrapped. 
and on and this new movie and it's from Ridley Scott of course and the film is scheduled to be released in August of 2017 so a, a year from now mm-hmm. which is awesome and apparently uh, the film began um, will begin the bridge to the events of uh, Prometheus um, with the original alien film and Prometheus was the point of much controversy I need to swallow sorry so <laughs> this will be interesting yeah, I mean, I love Prometheus when it came out. I know there's a lot of back and forth. A lot of people really hated it and thought it was terrible, but it's one of the movies I will very strongly stand up and defend because I think I will a, as well. a lot of the criticism that was aimed at it is, was a whole lot of nitpicking, which I, I guess is very popular nowadays, and that's fine. Um, I, but it is a movie I love, and uh, the movie was a modest box office success. I think worldwide it made like 500000 um, so still a lot of money, but not like gangbusters or anything. Wait, but, uh, 500 million. 500 million. I was like, oh, that's, I was like, that's <laughs> Did I say 500,000? <laughs> My bad. But yeah, I'm jacked for this. And I think it's interesting that the movie is called Alien Covenant. Yeah. Instead of Prometheus 2. But he had stated, even since before Prometheus came out, that Prometheus would be the first in a trilogy before it links to the, to the original Alien movie. Yeah, because Prometheus was technically the origin if I understood it correctly, right? Part of it. Part of it. As okay. we understand it, it's sort of the the first inkling of where did this xenomorph alien creature come from and we got a taste of it and how it ties into this bigger this bigger picture and these these species who have a hand in creating humans and it's it's really interesting. So yeah. I'm really pumped for this. I love that Ridley Scott is back directing. Uh, I, I just can't wait. I love the Alien oh, franchise. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating universe and, and piece of mythology. Um, and again, I, I will defend Prometheus to no one cause I love it. I watch it all the time. It's one of my favorite movies. I think it's so gorgeous and just epic and just so creative visually. And I just, it's just, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, I have a hard time seeing how you could like legitimately knock that movie. It's a lot of nitpicky stuff but that I hear. You know, it's like just. It's, oh, well, the one character who's a map maker gets lost. That doesn't make sense. Or why would this guy do something so stupid? It's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Like, does that really ruin the whole movie? They give you more questions than answers. Have you ever seen the original Alien movie? People have this magical thing called hindsight where once they've seen all the movies in a trilogy or a series, they forget that at one point in time there was only one of them. Or even with that, something like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Why do you need answers to stuff? Half the time in movies, when they get too explainy, those are the worst type of science fiction movies. I forget which director it was, but he said that um, common sense in film would produce no plot. Yeah, that's a good point. I, yeah, I think there are some directors who can pull off ultra-realism. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to sci-fi or horror, let's be real here. We're f- flying at faster than the speed of light to a planet, and there's alien creatures and this and that, and you're going to complain because a geologist does something stupid? <laughs> One character does some stupid shit. Who fucking cares, uh, man? Who duh? Uh, it grinds my gears. I love but it, it's man. so hilarious. I At love- the same time, it's like these opinions are so like Yeah. It's ridiculous. What what the fuck else do you do other than just sit there and think like, why is this a bad film? Well that's gonna make this a bad film. <laughs> that's the best, dude. When I hear people who spend more time like on boards and on facebook if i see the same names on some groups i'm in just every day negative 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 yeah. it's like what are you doing man <laughs> like if you okay i think of it this a lot of times if i'm really like thinking about a film i'll say like if you just 
especially with like action films or horror films or just films that are more like take them in. If you can just like get back, sit back and just get really messed up and you enjoy that film, you don't nitpick it. Just run with it. So, dude, if me and you watch Suicide Squad in your living room and we both drank like five of this, these here beers, yeah, you would have been like, yeah, throwing empty beer bottles at the wall. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd probably, I might enjoy it a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you just maybe didn't. it'd be like, why is this editing? Maybe you didn't get it. <laughs> maybe it just went over your head, bro. I like to hear that's a that's a thing I hear sometimes. Over your head, bro. No, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Alien Covenant, August two thousand seventeen. Clearly, the movie was popular enough that they're doing another one. Yeah, I like Prometheus. If you don't like Prometheus. Don't listen to the show anymore. You know what? If you didn't like Prometheus, whatever. Whatever. You can like or dislike whatever the <laughs> hell you want. Give it a thumbs down on Rotten Tomatoes. You started this week. I started by the numbers. So this is by the numbers, our weekly what? segment. Wait, I start? Where we cover the top five words. Okay, if you're going to talk, pronounce your words correctly. All right, now you start at number five. Okay, so we're doing by the numbers because Nate just mumbled into the microphone. It's a weekly segment. I hate you so bad. <laughs> Okay, so so number five at the box office this week was um, last week's movie of the week, Star Trek Beyond, which made $10 on its third week, which with a domestic total of $127 million on a $185 million budget. So I'm not doing super well, but I believe internationally it's at least breaking even and then some. Yeah. So I would have liked to see it perform better because I really loved that movie. I liked it a lot. But uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And number four, staying in its in its spot, which is pretty amazing. It was fourth last week. The Secret Life of Pets, uh, which grossed $11.5 million, bringing its total gross to $319.5 million on a $75 million budget. This film's done exceptionally well. It's holding on, too. And we've been saying this for a while. Fucking kids movies, Pe- man. And people love their their slaves that they... Friend slaves. Friend slaves. All right, so number three this week, um, which was number two last week, so holding on pretty decent, uh, is Bad Moms, which made $14 million this weekend, so a domestic total of $50.8 million on a $20 million budget. That's good business, and I've yeah. heard the movie is pretty good, too. Yeah, and that's what this this type of film is designed to do. Mm-hmm. As you know, 18, 20, produce 40. Mm-hmm. Number two was number one last week, meaning we have a brand new number one. Uh, Jason Bourne, uh, the the new film from Universal, grossed twenty two point four million, bringing its total gross to one hundred three million dollars on a one hundred twenty million dollar budget. So doing pretty well. Yeah, and I'm surprised. We'll see another Bourne. Yeah, I'm very surprised this did well. I was pretty confident. What do you think they'll call the next one? Jason Bourne two. They're kind of out of uh, what's I don't know what the type of Puns. word or pun because it's like ultimatum the born identity what else could they do the born beginning or some crap like there's that. already supremacy so there's been supremacy, supremacy ultimatum, ultimatum and identity identity so they could do the born the born uh, i don't know what you, that's a tough one to name somebody's serenity gonna that film serenity that's he, just where he becomes a monk <laughs> 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 then okay. he could no. Then he could actually become a monk at the same place that Bruce Wayne goes to to get Ooh, his like, where he meets Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, up in the mountains. Let's tie. Let's tie the Born 
thing into it. the let's do it. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck together again. DC's struggling for funds. We got we got. A plot I don't think idea they're struggling at all. Are you joking me right now? <laughs> all right, so we're talking about uh, DC here. Suicide Squad, uh, number one, hundred thirty three point six million. Monster. Uh, so pretty epic opening weekend on a hundred seventy five million dollar budget, and I do believe worldwide this movie's made. Almost three hundred million. A ton. So it's not doing the money that Batman, even Batman versus Superman, did. But it's a, it's a significantly smaller budget, and I think even though the critics actually scored this lower than Batman versus Superman, I, I think at least from my perspective, I've I've seen it a little bit kinder of a reception from general audiences. Yeah, for oh, this. Yeah. And uh, I just actually read an article today saying that they that this movie won't have as big of a drop off as Batman versus Superman. So I think they're doing decent money. They're not doing Marvel, Disney cash dollars, but they're doing okay for themselves. Yeah. I think they just need that one home run movie. You know what I mean? That just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. No questions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Their next movie is Wonder Woman next year and then uh, Justice League. So if one of those can just nail it, that would be Doctor awesome. Because Doctor Strange is... Marvel. It's Marvel World. Mm-hmm. That's the next kind That looks of... awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> looks going to um, be cool. That looks amazing. So yeah, that's by the numbers. We could see Suicide Squad be number one again because there's really no major. There's no yeah. There's Pete's Dragon, which I've seen very little advertising for, but it is a Disney joint, so yeah. it might do pretty hot dollars. Ooh, and also worthy of talk. Uh, we talked about uh, Ghostbusters in the past. Um, this week it was at number nine, and its total domestic gross is under one seventeen. And Sony did just announce today that. They're expected to lose a big chunk of change on this movie because it's not performed well internationally. It's estimated they're going to lose around seventy to eighty million on it. So I know when we reviewed the movie, there was discussion that Ghostbusters Sony was one hundred percent certain they were doing a sequel, but it is now expected that that will probably never happen. Yeah, which is kind of sad when you think about it. Right, a lot of potential there. I didn't care for the film at all, but uh, I, I think it was well received. I just don't think. Maybe the way they marketed, or I don't know. It's just uh, the the audience wasn't there. And and when you have a movie with almost a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, and then it was like an estimated another hundred and fifty for advertising, it just didn't make the make the mark. God, it's a bummer. Yeah, it is. So that's by the numbers. Top five this week. Lights out. I like talking about the box office numbers. Lights out. They're still. Look at I'm, that. I'm really impressed. Lights out, which we might do next week. Oh, we're, we're doing it. Okay. But fifty a $54.7 million gross. Total domestically. Total domestically on a $4.9 million. That's how you do it. Dude. It's not Blumhouse, but come on. Yeah, I've heard that, and I've heard overwhelming. It's movie of the week next week, because we, like yeah, we yeah. just said. There's no major releases. Yeah. Other than Pete's Dragon, mm. not my not my type of joint. So. I love the the other one growing up, but I, I want to see a horror movie. It's been a while. It's been a it's been a minute. Is the British been would a say. minute? <laughs> been a minute, mate. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been by the numbers in our movie of the week segment. Coming up, we're going to talk about our album of the week. Ghoul is the artist. The album is Dungeon Bastards, and they have a track that has the word ghetto in it. So naturally. <laughs> I'm interested. I hope you are too. Weekly Nurse will be right back.
Yeah. No, no, oh, monitors are off. There we go. <laughs> oh, did you do it? Yeah. No, oh, we're, we're recording. Back. We're recording. Oh, great. Hey, Live everybody. Action. Album of the week. I'm Nate. Ethan. That's Ethan. And this is our album of the week. Uh, the artist is Ghoul. The album is Dungeon Bastards. Ooh. Uh, the background is Ghoul is a thrash metal band, so of the thrash variety, that is based out of Oakland, California, semi-good town. Um, like the band Ghost, who we recently discussed on this podcast, the band has compromised members who are technically anonymous. However, the band is known to have members from other metal bands, such as Impaled, Wolves in the Throne Room, awesome name, and Exhumed and Dystopia. So, again, anonymous, which is an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, recording and production notes are that Dungeon Bastards um, is the fifth full-length album from Ghoul. The band has an overall concept that is perhaps compared comparable to Gwar, who have awesome live performances. Uh, they claim to be mutants from a place called Creepsylvania. Uh, this album fits snugly into their previous albums in that the primary thrash metal record with grindcore and death metal elements. Ooh. So another anonymous... We don't know who these. Well, you the, unlike Ghost, you can actually figure, look it up and see and who these know people who they are. are. Okay, so what what did you think of this album? All right, so I just picked this totally randomly because we had talked about Suicide Squad, and I was thinking Prisoner, blah blah blah. I went to new releases and saw Dungeon Bastards and thought it worked. So you know, this is a group I don't didn't know anything about going into it except for I saw that it was thrash metal, and I was like, cool, I like thrash metal. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool album. Um, pretty solid, albeit perhaps just a bit typical in, in, in the genre of thrash metal in that it's, it's a short and sweet record, just constant lightning fast metal riffs, insane drum and guitar and bass work. Uh, the vocals maybe stand out a little bit more to me, not necessarily in the best way, but excuse me, but, um. Yeah, I thought it was a, it's a cool album. I actually listened to this a lot more than I thought I was going to. I listened to it pretty much every day for the last week since I decided we, we should do this album. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool thrash metal album. Nothing revolutionary, but uh, no. solid, solid, solid. And it presents itself pretty well. But I, I emphasize on the fast because not only are the songs very short, the pace is exceptionally fast. And the first, I'd say like what four or five maybe six songs just blow absolutely just blow by you mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah typical very typical but yeah i i, I love this album nice but yeah, yeah i think uh ghoul it's been kind of fun reading about them since we picked it because i didn't they're, they're in a way sort of a quote-unquote super group in the genre, and a supergroup is a concept that isn't shouldn't be too disfamiliar to, to a lot of people. In that, it's compromised comprised of individuals from different groups, and this is more or less sort of a side project of some of them, and that's just fine. But it does kind of feel like a, a side project in that it's it is short, it's sweet, and it's not trying anything new. But yeah, I love just how fast and relentless it is. Um, every song on this is heavy. In hardcore, there's nothing in the way of ballads. And if you're familiar with thrash, or, or I think there's a lot of death metal elements to this album as well. I mean, this isn't the kind of music you're listening to for a lullaby here. No, this not is, at all. Yeah, this is a real jolt to the system. This is the kind of band and the kind of album and all the songs in here really would be really fun to see live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, it, and the whole time, yeah. actually the whole time I was listening to it, I kept thinking, you know, what, what, are, they, what are they like live? Because they've got to be just 
just super fast paced. I, I like the fact though that there's no ballad. Well, right. Yeah. Well, and there's no and 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 I think if you're if you're talking about thrash and death metal, it's not even particularly melodic music, right? Right. And I think that might be a turnoff for some people who aren't familiar with the genre. If you're into even groups like Metallica and stuff, you're looking at some pretty traditional song structures in terms of there being a chorus and a bridge and a verse. And this is really just sort of the track laid down in front of you, guitars just slamming in your face. The the lyrics, uh, the vocalist, I uh, you know, I, I do an okay job with metal and understanding what they're saying. And uh, this guy, I can't understand at all, um, which, which is sort of okay because I, I kind of feel that the vocals are only here because they felt like they had to be here. And if you really yeah. want to read along with the lyrics for a group like that, more power, more, more power to you. But it's just kind of goofy and ridiculous and, of course, hyper-violent and ridiculous. Well, yeah, because they kind of... They... Try to follow a story, at least from the mm-hmm. song titles, but I, I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. For All the right. most, there's like there's one. I don't know if it's like an individual vocalist or what, but sure, he comes through a little more clear because he's he's singing kind of that like I can't. I'm not even gonna try. There's to do more it, of a there. I think there might be more than one vocalist or one guy who does two different styles because there's definitely more of the death metal growl, but there's also that sort of I would compare it to Slayer, more of a yell, kind of a screech. That's more. It's a little bit more clear, yeah. um, and there's some of that too. But one thing this album does that, at least on my first couple of listens, I was able to follow the maybe concept they're going to, is that there's lots of sort of I don't I don't necessarily want to call them samples. I'm not sure if they were picked from something else or recorded specifically for this album, but uh, stuff that sort of goes along with the concept. Which there's you you get the sense that this album is. If you if you were to lay it down in a linear story, it's about like these crazy people who have somehow escaped this prison after the apocalypse, and it's just chaos and nuclear waste. And this movie or this album actually made me want to watch the movie Mad Max a whole lot because my favorite song right. on, my favorite song on here was called Gu- Guitar Mageddon, which is actually a song that technically doesn't have any vocals and it just sort of has this weird voiceover in the background about how if there was a nuclear apocalypse, we'd all be screwed basically. <laughs> Uh, I like that song because it was just so like it was just a heavy guitar riff, and it just made me want to just drive my car faster than I should drive. And that's kind of how this al- whole album yeah. was. Yeah, crazy. Just a visceral metal experience. Yeah, this is a good. I'd say this is good driving music, though. Mm-hmm. If you're I into mean, metal, yeah, if that's the key. This isn't like a beginner. That's album. That's another thing we usually cover. That not a beginner's album. No, never an intro album by any stretch of the means. I think if you're into Metallica, and they're kind of a, like the perfect thrash metal band, if you listen to some Slayer too, um, you, you might like these guys a little bit more. Um, but if you're not into that kind of stuff, like, like Metallica's earlier work or any of Slayer's music, really, this will probably be pretty pretty bad for you to listen to because it kind of takes those metal elements, those really fast thrash metal elements, and sort of mashes it up with the ridiculous buffoonery of somebody like gore that's just, it's just kind of a goofy show yeah and it comes through and all the song even the song names on this album i mean it it spells it out for you ghetto blasters shred the dead dungeon bastards ghoul lunatics blood and guts death campaign <laughs> guitar mageddon i mean you really you really get the sense of what these guys are going for just kind of a straight up metal album to yeah. the face totally what would you rate it though one to ten well, I'm going to match my Suicide Squad score and give it a 7 out of 10. Love the album. Think it's great. But uh, 
I don't think it's one that it's going to stick with me, you know? Um, it's one that I'll, it'll be on my radar, but I'm never, I'll probably never think to myself, man, I really want to listen to Dungeon Bastards today. <laughs> <laughs> Just wake up, roll out of bed. Oh, I could really use some Dungeon Bastards today. It's time for ghoul, bro. Bruh. Yeah, that's pretty good. What would you give it? I gave it a 6.5, very close. Again, just because it's not, it's not really anything special. Sure. You know, it's not like above and beyond, but it's a good, solid, for me, listening to it while I work out type album. Yeah, that's perfect and these dudes are extraordinarily talented musicians and you can tell they're just having like a blast with this stuff yeah their drummer's got to be insane it's cardio like i didn't yeah cardio i have no idea how you do that but that was ghoul dungeon bastards if you're metal album fanatic check it out specifically thrash metal variety bra (laughs) yeah yeah on to our high priority news items. Game of Thrones announced a music tour, mm-hmm. which I did see these headlines that they announced a full tour where music from the popular series will be performed by an orchestra live. Apparently, the show will be a mixture of music and amazing visual effects. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like um, Trans Siberian Orchestra. Right. And it's all going to be obviously Game of Thrones tunes. I think that's it'll be cool. I don't know if there's any dates specifically announced for this yet, but uh, I think it, it actually kind of sounded like it was only in the planning stages where the uh, the band would obviously have to rehearse and the people who put the show on would have to figure out what do they mean by visual elements, like dancers? Mm-hmm. Or like a screen with badass like scenes from the show? What do you think it'll be like? I think you could, I mean, you could go one of two ways. Cause I, I, just last year for the first time in my life, I saw the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and it was very predictable cause it was like lasers and these like flames kind of, and... yeah, flames and computer, very corny computer graphic images that were appearing in front of you. I mean, they could, they could honestly probably do like cut segments of the show combined with music or they could do, they could just go the laser route and somehow try to make people's minds explode but hmm. i kind of like the concept of like ha- seeing images of the show you know or in some like creative way though. yeah in some different way and then combining because the music's very powerful it is you know, i don't think it gets enough credit because the show is so wonderfully oh popular my God, dude. game of thrones like the opening song to game of thrones is there a song in dun, any show yeah is dun. there any theme song that gets you more ready no dude when i watch game of thrones i'm like let's do it Let's bring and it just on. recently, I listened to the um, the song from Battle of the Bastards. I haven't seen it yet. And I was like, I could have like charged through a wall. I know you said you were point. like standing up and screaming at your TV when that during that was yeah, on. I was like screaming and doing. Then when it got done, I did a bunch of push ups and I was like, <laughs> and just then you drank a protein shake. You drank a protein shake and then yeah, <laughs> won't go from there. But no, but <laughs> no, but I, I think there this could be awesome. Could yeah. be like. I would go see it if it was. It, I, this seems like the kind of thing that a it will be a very small tour, like yeah. ten stops, and it'll be like two hundred dollars to get in. Yeah, big cities. Yeah, yeah. Probably Chicago will be the closest it would be to us here in uh, here in the cold, cold northern winters of Wisconsin. Northern winters. No, but in a very interesting concept because I. Like I said, the music is awesome. You hear about them doing similar stuff to this. I know every now and then you'll see a, a, an orchestra or a symphony doing, like they'll do a showing of Star Wars and they'll have a live orchestra doing the music live to the movie versus having the 
music playing. Oh, really? Right. And, wow. Uh, there's a couple of things, and this is like a bucket list thing of mine, where they'll show the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy with a live orchestra instead of, you know, because I'm, I'm sure the, the studio has the audio tracks for these movies that are just the dialogue and sound effects versus the music, which would be laid separately. So the entire trilogy, you sit and watch the entire trilogy? Yeah, I do that all the time anyway, though. In one, but that's like, isn't that like around six hours? For Lord of the Rings? It's like, or is it nine hours? It's at least nine hours. If you're doing So the musicians have to sit there and play for nine hours? I don't know exactly how it works, but yeah. Wow. They get paid. (laughs) (laughs) They get paid. No, but that's that'd be awesome. I think anytime you can see a live orchestra live doing any song, it's incredible. versus a live orchestra dead when they're zombies. That too would be amazing. But I was thinking <laughs> that would be more, even more amazing. That'd be yeah. They're White Walkers. Dude. Oh, what dude. if the ooh, what if the people in the orchestra are dressed up? Right, that'd be money. And then they just get pissed off and start fighting each other with their instruments. Violins shattering over people's heads. I'd watch that. I'd watch that for sure. But. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other music item is that Bob Weir announced a new album called Blue Mountain. So he just came off his tour with Dead & Company. Mm, Bob Weir of Grateful Dead. Of fame. Grateful Dead. You should know who he is. Yes. Um, but he's, uh, well, yeah, you should. I should Dang say it. no to that. That was really weird. <laughs> but he announced his uh, first album of solo materials in a long, long time, 10 years. Yeah, um, and this was somewhat of a surprise to me because the Dead & Company tour was so successful. But uh, I think this was in the pipelines before that tour even, so I guess it's not that surprising. And the, the tour they're doing in, that he's doing in uh, conjunction with the album is actually pretty short. It's a fall tour. It's only like 10 stops. And it's actually supported, and, and the album, I think, is recorded with the band The National, which is a very popular indie rock band. So that's kind of a cool thing. I thought it would be fun to just mention that Bob Weir has got some new tunes coming out. I believe, if I remember correctly, in the documentary about him, he's playing with the National at the beginning of that documentary. I might be totally wrong. It's called The Other One, right? Yeah, but I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure the National are recording with him. You know, I've been wanting to rewatch it again uh, because I watched it, but I honestly don't remember so I'll, I'll have to watch it again and uh, report back. I'm trying to remember, because he's playing with a band. Like in the be- in the very beginning, he's like talking about recording and musicians, and then he's like playing this song that's kind of over. Was it in a studio or was yeah, it like it was a- in a studio? Okay. Very well, could have been. And I think it was the National. So that very it could have been backdated to then. The National are a really good, yeah, solid well, music right. band versus like a. They don't do anything. Are you going well, to try? No, they're not commercial. I should. No. I, that's all I want to say. Yeah, they have a couple of really solid albums out. High Violet, shout mm-hmm. out to the National. Hashtag. Hashtag. Indie Rock. Hashtag Blumhouse Production. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag send us money, Blumhouse. <laughs> Please, Jason. <laughs> Jason Blumhouse, send us money. No, that's cool that he's... Right now we're talking about Jason Blum or... Oh, Bob Weir. Bob yeah. Weir. I think it's great. I thought uh, there was even rumors that him and uh, John Mayer were going to write some tunes together, but uh, I think I think Mayer is contracted to do another uh, solo album, so it might be a little bit before they see him together. Although John Mayer wrote a very heartfelt Facebook post on the Dead and Company Facebook page that sort of suggested maybe they were done already, and it was just sort of a one-off thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A chapter. Yeah. 
So on two obsessions, Ethan, what are you obsessed about right now? I'm boring uh, and kind of predictable. And we, we talk about comic book movies every week, right? Because um, that's kind of been a theme this summer and this whole year in general. I'm kind of, you know, it's been on my brain a lot in terms of entertainment stuff. I've been rewatching the Marvel movies, getting pumped for Doctor Strange. Obviously saw Suicide Squad. I rewatched Batman vs. Superman. Um, so that's really been something... I've been thinking about quite a bit, but uh, I guess also I've been obsessed with my car. I bought a car a couple years ago, like less than two years ago, and uh, I actually, this is kind of weird, but I've been obsessed with having to get it taken in. There's a couple of really odd little things that need to get fixed in it, and I just haven't had the time to schedule an appointment or get it taken in, and it's to a point where it's like I'm thinking about it all the time, so I just need to do it, so I stop obsessing over it. Get her done. Get her done. Ugh. <laughs> what are you obsessed with? Well, for me, it's it's two things. Um, one is soccer related, unfortunately. Oh, but I'm leaving. No, the creme. <laughs> you say that every week. No, but the the for me because obviously we are both podcast fans. We listen to podcasts, and we do. One of my favorite. We also pod- have a podcast. We also have a podcast, which we're recording right now. <laughs> True story. Uh, but. Um, my, one of my favorite podcasts is called men in blazers and every year they do this creme de la creme episode called the like Barclays premier league, or it's not just the premier league preview. And it's kind of, it's very comical, but they, it's, it came out today. Haven't watched or haven't listened to it yet. They have a show as well. They're going to do. How long are their episodes generally? Right about same as ours, about an hour 20. Okay. Unless they do like an interview with someone, um, then it's usually like 20, 40 minutes in that realm. So, but usually their regular episodes are about an hour and 20, kind of like ours. Do you prefer long or short podcasts? Longer. Me too. Because I think like 20 minutes, I don't think you can, you can talk about like one thing. I think it gets a little extreme. Like what Joe Rogan does like really long episodes and they're super detailed, but that's cool. I mean, he has his own style too. So, Mm -hmm. but it's, I think you need to be at least an hour to really... Be a good side. It depends on what you're talking about. I just thought I'd ask because I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And then my other thing I'm obsessed with is that I get to see my buddy Seth. Oh, really? I haven't seen my friend Seth in about two years. No, longer than that. Probably like three or four years. Is that your wedding? Yeah. He was at my wedding. Actually, this last time I last time I saw him was at my wedding, and because he moved to Florida, and I haven't seen him. So I've only met him, him twice, and it was at your bachelor party and then your wedding. Yeah. And he's a delightful individual. Yeah. So I get to go hang out with him in Milwaukee for a little bit. That's cool. A little smidgen of time. We'll do. The little segments of time I have in my life. It's crazy. That's why that's why we have albums like Dungeon Bastards to make the drives a little shorter. Right. So we drive faster. All of a sudden I'm going to be driving like 150 <laughs> miles an hour. Air drumming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's it. Obsessions. Mm-hmm. Good episode this week. Good side. And again, I, not to go see the movie. I'm not. I'm prisoner. Not to, prisoner. Man, yeah, your 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 review for Suicide Squad was even it made my Batman vs Superman review look like like a five star, like a ten star review. I really hated this movie, man. No, I'd say if I <laughs> if I hated a movie, I'd give it like a three or below. Look out, man! The internet's gonna petition to sue you. They're gonna troll me. What is that? I was flicking my rings. Oh, okay. <laughs> so next week, though? Next we... week, we'll do Lights Out. A horror film? 
horror film. Album, to be determined. Beer as well, to be determined. It'll be fun to try to figure out a theme for a Lights Out. I feel like that's a movie I need to see. Because I feel like Lights Out is the principle of it. It's kind of the overlying thing. But I feel like there's going to be a little something else. Some Usually with horror movies, there's something deeper going on. Hmm. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. TBD. TBD, son. <laughs> now, this is fun. We hope you guys enjoyed it, guys and girls. How many episodes have we done? We should count. We have to be into the 30s by now, right? Mm, I think we're just scratching 30. We should 20, do something. Mid-20s. We should do something special. What if our 30th episode is my 30th birthday? How fucked it is up coming would that up. be? It is coming up. Oh, man. That's weird if that's the case. You're just going to get a nosebleed and start punching yourself. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is the end. This is the end. That's terrifying. Oh, that'd be bad. Yeah. No, I'll have to check that. Honestly, because I don't have, I can't really pull up internet because then the garage band would be like, nope. I would do it, but I don't really want to. (laughs) See what it is. Oh, man. I would have to count our episodes. I mean, you could edit some of this out. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to count this out. We're going to count episodes here. I'm going to do a shot in the meantime. Have fun. I have to drive home, so I can't. Are you going to keep this part in or edit it out? Might keep it in. Okay. I don't know that anyone listens to the end. Really? You know what? I'm going to be honest, too. When I listen to podcasts, a lot of times when they're, like, doing plugs and stuff, sometimes I'll duck out a little early. Because if you get a sponsor, you have to do plugs at the beginning and end. So usually. according to, to according, I don't even have to count. I just mm-hmm. went to uh, SoundCloud. We have X number of tracks published. We have 29 tracks published. So guess what? This is our 30th episode. This is the 30th episode. This is the 30th episode of Weekly Neurosis. Including the Lost episode. Oh, not the show one. Lost. That would be a long one. If we just did an entire episode about nothing but Lost. Oh, my God. I've been rewatching it with my wife, too. It's what if we did season by season and just did a monster, like, four-hour episode? Well, I told you about that Lost podcast I listened to where they, when they did the final... They went off the deep end. It was, like, 36 hours or something. Yeah. That's how those guys were. It was good stuff. Wow. 30, 30 30th episodes. episode. Big three zero. We should have done something special. We didn't know. We're just too deep into the wormhole. Slumming it. Slumming it. So that's actually that's a little bit of a relief that it won't be the thirtieth episode. Because otherwise, we'd have to get like we know what we've talked about doing since we started this was doing like a drunk episode. That could be the one. We'd have to do that on a Friday though, or something close to the weekend. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd be in. Yeah, I can't do that on a weekday. I got shit to do. I got shit to do, son. No, but this has been the prisoner episode. It's been real. It's been real. Next week, lights out. Let it, let it to be determined. We'll work it out. I'm getting emotional. Getting emotional. 30. 30. It's been real. For 30, 30 freaking episodes, it's been real. That's crazy, man. Everyone, yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk? All right. Well, again, this is the prisoner episode. This is Weekly Neurosis. You can follow us on any social medium. I'm working on Snapchat. Twitter, Instagram, and I got to be real honest here. I got to beef up my Twitter and Instagram game. I have not been repping weekly neurosis very well. On the I got to get media. our Facebook game up too because I do the, the FB because I yeah. just have the little pages app on my phone because I'm not on Facebook anymore. You're detached. on there. You just don't go on it. 
Or did you delete your shit? No, I'm not deleting my profile. Oh, good call. So I'm just going to keep it up there, kind of as like a billboard. <laughs> just see like your your cover photo being like you giving a massive thumbs up. It should be, all my pictures should be the back of my head. <laughs> With your glasses turned around so they're on the back of your head. That'd no, that's be, even better. That's the best. Uh, no, that, that's what I'm going to do. Or replace all your pictures with pictures of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best. You think I'm friends with Nick Cage? <laughs> no, but yeah, we'll, we're on there. We're actually yeah. kind of just waiting for someone. I think Snapchat's going to be a little interesting. I got to, I'm, you know what? I'm going to make it an aim where I'm actually going to put it on my schedule every day to make sure I post some crap on Instagram and Twitter for us because it's fun. I like Instagram and Twitter. I just, I just been, we, I think we've both been busy, busier lately than we would both like to be. So yeah, it's hard to, to prioritize something we do in our free time like that. Yeah. We do it for all you guys listening. That's the dead honest truth. So Mm -hmm. this has been the prisoner episode next week again, lights out. Who knows what else? We'll work it out. It's been real America. (laughs) All right, I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And this has been Weekly Notice. Everyone, please, please 